0: Welcome to Flamenco Attitude, the weekly podcast that brings you all things flamenco. If you would like to revisit an episode ahead of listening to this one, I would recommend Guitars and guitareros because today we're talking about somebody who transformed the flamenco guitar uh, into an Andalusian symphony. I'm not sure how we're going to call this episode yet, but that sounds poetic enough, so I'm thinking about the title already. Uh, he was somebody who came from humble beginnings, but turned into one of the most influential and famous flamenco guitarists, and he worked with pretty much anyone big of the time in the world of flamenco. Plus, he had very, very revered fans, such as Monserrat Caballé. So in this episode, we are talking about Manolo Sanlúcar, who Marcos has a little bit of a story about the area of Cadiz where he was. And we're going to talk about his life as well, his music too, as ever, and also the influential figures that he worked with and played for. Without any further ado, this is the episode on Manolo Sanlúcar.
1: Well, you said that Manoro came from humble background. And the incredible thing about him is that he's a family of bakers, mm. people that make bread. And when you think that he he moved from a bakery to the opera houses of the world, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. He yeah. left school at 11 w- to go and help his father.
0: I was going to say, let's start from the very beginning. He is not, uh, as opposed to other guitarists that we've talked about, he is not from a dynasty. No. He's a self-made person,
1: yeah. if you will, and, and it's, I don't know how, how he, he came to that. He was very influenced by the greats like Nino Ricardo, mm. um, and incredibly Diego del Gastor from Moron, Who we where, talked, where we're going yeah. to head to at uh, the end of the month to find out what's going on there. Um, but he, how he, I mean, you know, how he played the music he did or created it. I've got no idea. In the case of people like Paco de Lucía, we can trace exactly how he learned everything. Yeah, yeah. because... But in yeah. this case, he's a mystery, because um, San Luca is a very interesting place that we'll talk about in a minute. It's a, Obviously, it's a town, a very famous town in Cadiz province. How he learned all this stuff, and his brother, uh, Isidro Muñoz, being an incredible composer, where it all came from while they were working, making bread all the time, yeah, how, I mean it's amazing.
0: Well, what is amazing for me is again when we talked about guitarists, guitarists previously, they all came from a family that was very musically talented. But Manol Solunka was talented himself in the area of music. Do you know how he? St- how did he come to actually get a guitarist? Art? I don't
1: know this, but one thing yeah. I can tell you about him is that he was an obsessive.
0: Mm. Um,
1: you're talking about practice you know, eight hours a day, that type of work. He, he was obsessed by it. He, he regarded Andalusian music, played on, on the guitarra flamenca as the most important thing in life. Uh, and he, he didn't want to do anything else. That's all he was interested in. Yeah. And of course, you're talking about his, his, some of his fans. We, 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 we are we, going to get we are, to We're going to get on to that. You
0: okay. will. Right. But I, I want you to tell me then a little bit about the place first. Um, Sanlúcar. Uh, not a place that I'm familiar with, to be honest with you. Well,
1: San Luca de Barrameda. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, um, what can you tell me about that? What
1: can I tell you about it? Well,
0: you have stories, of course. It's
1: an interesting place because it's probably where uh, the, the, the explorer Cristóbal Colón, Cristóbal Columbus, as they seem to say in English, <laughs> uh, set out from. Um, and it's a place that it's, it produces the most incredible type of wine. Called Manzanilla.
0: Uh, from apple?
1: No, no, no. no because Manzana from, is it, apple. No, but no. Manzanilla is, is no, it's from grape. People will probably say, oh, it's sherry. Well, that, that would be wrong because sherry obviously comes from Jerez. Mm. The word sherry is a, a mispronunciation of Jerez. <laughs> um, so Manzanilla is a very, very strong wine. It can go 19, 20% or more. It's unbelievable. And in San Luca, they there's these old taverns which I've been in where it's incredible. If you said, Oh, you know, could I have a martini or could I have a coffee? They say, No, we do manzanilla. Mm-hmm. That is what we so you
0: can't do. even have coffee, you have to have manzanilla. no, you have to have
1: manzanilla. And the amazing thing about it is it's often served in very large glasses, like a you know, cocktail, like, type like, like no, like a well, larger, like a half litre,
0: oh, like a a pint yeah like mm-hmm. a
1: half a pint or a pint yeah and you have with it prawns that is the oh, traditional yeah <laughs> Sorry. So it's, it's prawns with manzanilla <clears throat> and this gives you the flavor really of the guitar playing of manolo because that saltiness that's in that wine the whole area you've got the wonderful park nearby the one of the biggest wildernesses wildlife in in Europe the doñana park just further up, and then you've got it's an estuary, so it's a bit strange. It's not like Cadiz, where you've got the sea coming in, it's a very different type of place. Um, I've been there on several occasions, and they have a, a particular day that I don't remember the name of it where they cover all the pavements in these wonderful uh, representations using minute pieces of coloured sand and it's all laid out mm-hmm. and it takes ages to do it's
0: like a desert <laughs> yes
1: mm-hmm. it's uh, so you know this is the life that he grew up you we've got to think of the bakery we've got to think of, of the special smell of the air there in that part of cadiz province mm-hmm. in and remember there are many there is another san Luca, but we're talking about san Luca da barrameda ah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what shall we uh, kind of hear first um as an opening music well, piece on spot I, I know we're going
1: to talk about his early thing i think we should hear one of his first uh, pieces um where of course he's doing a reference to one of the cradles of, of flamenco viva jerez
0: you touched upon already that his earliest influences were nino ricardo and diego del gastor how do you think he came to study them
1: you see i think that's very interesting because. Nino Ricardo w- 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 is so different from Diego del Gastor. You've got Nino Ricardo, who's like the greatest player of that time, who accompanies the singers, and he plays in a particular way where it's not like Paco de Lucía with all these falsettas that people could understand. It's a very complex, woven way of playing and very particular. And then you've got the hardcore... Gypsy guitar of Diego del Gastor, which has come from his life in Morong, where he's produced a whole different school, very different way of playing altogether. I mean, they, they really are, to use that awful cliche, chalk and cheese. Mm. You know, one is a, like a natural player. You know, Diego, he he just plays for people because he wants to. He's not, he's not, an, he doesn't even see himself as an artist in that way. And then you've got Nino Ricardo, a major recording artist. Honing these pieces mm. That he puts on vinyl You know Working out exactly how A soliar will go From start to finish Yeah Diego He probably just plays The falsetto That comes into his head So obviously Manolo Was very impressed By both of these people yeah. Now the weird thing is When you listen to his record Yeah how
0: does this You can't hear any music? of this in it
1: I, I can't hear Any of these influences in, mm. in any of his music Because he creates A completely brand new classical style you said a symphony this is this Andalusian symphony it's totally different to anybody's way of playing extremely difficult to copy Uh, and of course it goes on to influence people that you love like Vicente Amigo it produces a new school, completely completely
0: well give me then a song that is very typical of his repertoire and that is very different um, from anything else that you've heard
1: well i suppose i mean maybe we should maybe we should uh go to his greatest ever hit which you you can see the, L, the lp there um he he was always you you know you had two guitarists Paco de Lucía and Manolo Luca at the top of the tree and Paco was was getting all this worldwide fame and he produced Entry dos aguas you know the rumba and all alma raima and most of the lps of manolo were not that well known in the, in the way that people mm. could just name them, you know, say, you know, whereas people could say, "Oh, I love Al of Pachasuia." So he brings out a blockbuster, mm. Taro Machia,
0: We've which played is, it, yeah. Before. which is
1: absolutely incredible. So I think we should we should hear something from that. And um, my favourite track is is De Capote, where he he talks about. I mean, the lyrics for it are, are incredible. um, well, i would give you another... Yeah. Yeah. De Triana traigo niña que me compra un compote de menta y canela. And so he's saying, you know, um, I brought a girl with me and she's brought me a, a cape. He's going to the bullfight and it's made of cinnamon and, and mint. You know, it's oh, it's very poetic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it it's is. Uh, and so I think we should... He- let's not talk about it. Let's
0: just let's hear it. it. When was the first time you heard his playing, because that's an interesting story as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, because I, you know, I I was living in, in, in London and obviously i was going to Sevilla with with my maestro pepi Marti. i had a collection of records the normal ones the Nino ricardo's the sabicas yeah. all these ones that incredibly in those days you could actually get them quite reasonable they were in department stores and things you know the, those you
0: can find them budget
1: now. price records you know all right. so even the top records of sabicas there it was and um, but i didn't have any records of manolo sanluca but a, a great friend of mine uh, Roy Lobb, who uh, is English, but he spent most of his time in the States and lives there now. He was then leaving England for the last time to go to live in, in the United States permanently. Great guitar player, not not flamenco. And he wanted to give me some of his records. So he gives me this wonderful record that you can see uh, yeah, underneath the underneath that one there. And I mean, look at the title. It's not like Prince; it's King <laughs> of the Flamenco Guitar. Yeah, but who
0: crowns King? It's 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 so interesting. Did you say that's issued in New York? I see.
1: Yes, and that's an original copy, as you can see, because the the LP covers from the states are different to English ones. They've almost got a, like a paper outside that's wrapped yeah. around the cardboard. If you turn it round, you'll see all the the thing from at the bottom from from the states.
0: Yeah. So we've got yeah Columbia Records. Yes.
1: Yeah. In New York.
0: New York, 75, yeah. And a whole, a whole kind of, hist- not history, but... Yeah.
1: Um, very expansive sleeve notes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have probably drooled over that.
0: You probably know it by heart.
1: <laughs> and it's a wonderful record. I mean, we've already heard a track from it. Um, and so he was making his mark there, you can see, because uh, that is an important record. And the one underneath it, you can see his very first... Uh, set he didn't make like typically with Manolo he didn't start with one record he starts with a series so it's called uh, Mundo y Formas of of the of the flamenco guitar yeah so it's like volume one two and three Uh, you know 1972 he doesn't mess about you know he he just goes straight in with you can see that he's like an intellectual of of the flamenco guitar
0: sure yeah Yeah. Um, you
1: know you get these artists that that don't really like making records very often Whereas with Manolo, what, he, let's make three he, while we're going to...
0: Kid. And what did you say is your favourite from uh, The King?
1: Well, I, lo- I love that Biba Heret, you know, yeah. the, the buleria, is fantastic, you know. Uh,
0: before we go more into your um, actual seeing him, I want to talk about the famous celebrities that he worked with, that were he was involved with. They really admired him. So give me some of those grand names.
1: Well, I mean, you you can't get bigger than uh, the the then Prime Minister of Spain, uh, Felipe Gonzalez. Can you get bigger than the star of Dr. Zhivago, Omar Sharif? Mm. These are are big names. And you've already mentioned the great opera singer, Montserrat Caballet. You know, I mean, these are...
0: How did they get to actually...
1: Well, I've, I've, I've... you know, I've got photographs in, 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 where, he, where they are sat down in like a small audience and he's playing for them, you know, special, special recitals.
0: So they uh, he rose to prominence very quickly. Yes. And they yeah. knew about him yeah. pretty much, it regarded him as someone very, very yeah. special. Very, very special, yeah. That's yeah. in the 70s. And also you said um, the poet Rafael Alberti. Alberti
1: yeah, yeah, who's a legend in, in the world of poetry. Everybody regarded him as the number one, you know, in, in, in a different way to, to Paco de Lucia. It's a, it's a totally different sort of approach to everything, you know. And, of course, he, you know, he, he went on to work uh, with orchestras and things yeah. like that and, compo- you know, his brother composing this and he's composing this stuff. It's almost like a, a classical flamenco. that he he produces
0: yeah and also i'm not sure whether there is a connection here but he also worked with the spanish national ballet
1: oh yeah for many years yeah 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 He, he toured with them and i mean his his approach was not so much oh yeah i'll write some stuff and they can use my recordings no i'll be there and i'll play in every performance live in the orchestra pit
0: so was it a little bit like um if you have, let's say, Swan Lake, and he will do it in a flamenco version, is That's that right. what is that what That's he does? Right. And
1: then play it live. So if they're going to do it in Madrid or yeah. London, yeah. he will go with them and do it.
0: Do it live. Yes. Is that why you think he was, I suppose, not only confident but competent enough to play for royal families? What oh, royal yeah. Oh, families? Yeah, well,
1: nothing would have phased Manolo. I mean, he's he's just a, uh, you know, I don't think he would ever be intimidated by anybody.
0: Exactly. But did he play only for the Spanish royal family?
1: No, he played for lots of royal families, actually, um, around Europe. Yeah. He was a big choice of, of many royal families.
0: Yeah. Well, give me a grand record then.
1: Oh. Well, I mean, I suppose we should listen to, to, to put him on this high thing when he gets into the big stuff in the, in the big concert halls, I think we should listen to a track from Medea, which he, he did do in, in 1988 for the Spanish National Ballet.
0: You saw him only once? Yeah. But it was an unforgettable <laughs> man. I'm never
1: going to forget him.
0: Give because, it to me. <laughs> well,
1: because Tauro was becoming a, a big thing, you know, it's in the newspapers, it's selling well and everything. And he was listed to be uh, in Cadiz in the Genovese Gardens. And um, this is quite an important place to play. It was the summer, and I'm sat on the beach, and you know they make these mm. announcements, you mm. know, ding dong dong yeah, tonight. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, wow, that's incredible. So I say to my friends in Cadiz, I'm going to go to that. And they said, You'll be wasting your time. You'll never get in. It'll be sold out already. And I said, Oh, well, that's a shame. Maybe I'll go anyway just to see whether I can get in. And it's a terrible thing to say but when I got there there was hardly anybody there at all very very few people why
0: do you think that was? you never know it,
1: it's it's like uh, the, the, there's a famous story of the great classical guitarist Andres Segovia who was originally a a, a flamenco artist and he played in, in the Calle Sierpes in Sevilla uh, a recital and he got about nine people and then when he became world famous he went back and he got about the same and because the people seem to have a reaction with the solo guitar as opposed to singers being there i don't know that's one theory that they don't want to go to a thing that's going to be guitar just guitar now of course taro has got lots more to it than guitar it has got singers in it but anyway for whatever reason Uh, the attendance was very low so I looked at the situation Gallia and I thought Mm. well he he's hardly going to go ahead it'll just be not happening but typical with Manolo he just decided no I'm going to play this whole which is a very complex piece I'm going to do the whole thing full stop so he just played it Regardless and of how many people were and there, and the
0: people loved it. Oh yeah,
1: but the few people that there loved it, but you know, more other types of artists would just say, "Oh, I can't you know, it's just not worth it. Let's just not not bother with it."
0: Most importantly, did you talk to him? No. Why? You went all the way there.
1: No, I didn't talk to him. No, I'd, I'd be too, in those times. I think you know, I'd have regarded him as too. Important to start bothering. No, with, with
0: oh, but you could have. You, but because uh, uh, did you? You, already, you were already practicing journalism at this point. Yeah, so but
1: you I, you know, I mean, don't forget that I'd gone there on the off chance to even know if he'd be, he'd be playing. Yeah, yeah. But, well, so there you got you got well, the greatest album, the great one of the greatest artists, and you're in the, the in a, in the capital of Cádiz province, Cádiz itself, Cádiz capital, and. Not a lot of people went to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, what was your favourite um, song of the evening?
1: Well, the Allegrius he plays off, that is wonderful. He's a master of that. Um, uh, and he makes everything so complicated. It's <laughs> incredible. It's it's like a piece of, of spaghetti that you can't unravel.
0: I feel that he's one of those artists that it's... It's not just the art as a whole profession, because he also goes into films.
1: Yeah, so you're talking about the, the Saura film, aren't you? The Sevianas yeah, I mean, film made by Carlos Saura was incredible. You know, all the artists in it that he brings into it. Are in, but of course, he, what he does is he brings together the two of them, Paco de Lucia and Manolo. And they're going to do a Seviana, which is normally you, you
0: said it was a bit of a standoff.
1: Well, it, it had <laughs> this it's, You see, the Seviana is you normally do four. You can do six, but it's four. so obviously there they are. They're sat very close to each other, and you've seen it. They've got their their boots on and everything, and they look. And they've got their guitars, and they look at each other, and it's decided who they're going to do two and two. So. W- somebody's gonna go first, and the other person does the accompanying as a part of that then the next person goes and the other it switches round and it's just it's just i mean they're really enjoying each other's company, but it's like you know wait you see what i can do? oh no i can oh, <laughs> and, you know you see it, you know and it's um i know i know actually having read stuff about it that saura originally um Got very annoyed with him because he's quite a short-tempered man, and he said, "Oh, come on, you know, we, we, when he was trying, we've got the two best guitarists in the world here. Can't we just get this filmed? It should be easy, you know." So there was a little. I mean, we've never seen the outtakes from that. No, they probably <laughs> yeah. never
0: will. So, is this a good um, time to do a little bit of a contrast between the two big figures?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you imagine when I'm becoming a, you know, more prominent. In, in playing and everything, you, you look up to two people in this era uh, Paco de Lucia and Manuel Sanluca. Yes, I've got all the records of Paco de Lucia, I've got all the records of Manuel Sanluca, and a friend of mine used to uh, write me out licks, you know, uh, these are cifras, we call them. And um, so, you know, I never had any problem learning the falsetas, we call them or falsetilla, of Paco de Lucia. But when I came to try and learn Manolo San Luca, I could never get on with it. It was just impossible. And I used to think, how do you play this? You know. So I looked at his Alegrias, and I used to think, Phew. and I would try and try, it. and i would just think, right, let's just enjoy him on his records, yeah? But Marcos, this is not for you. It is too difficult. So that kind of gives you some idea that You know, Papa Lucia has written some beautiful things. I have a little look at it, and after a few days, you know, I can do a small chunk of that, and it's absorbed, and I understand it, and I can play it. I've never, to this day, been able to do that with anything written by Manolo Sanluca.
0: And more recently, uh, or was it more recently, Um, we talked about Dia de Andalucia, obviously, back in February. Yeah. Uh, so when was the last it's time you saw him? Ago, actually, it's yeah. quite a few years well, ago. actually. It's quite a few years ago. Well, more recently, because obviously we talk about these things that happened in the yeah. 70s, the 80s. No, and now no, this would
1: good. be in, in the 2000s. Um, yeah, yeah. He was um, chosen as, you know, obviously he's the chosen son of Andalusia. And I was in a very cold Cadiz uh, watching TV in my room. And he came on and he directed the whole orchestra for the day of Andalusia mm. um, which as you know is the last day of February nowadays and you know you saw the respect people had from him and his his intensity you know because he's he's, like, he's more than a guitarist he's like one of these top conductors you know I mean he's got everything under his control with the, with his, the way he nods to people with the hands everything you know he's consummate maestro and you know it was very impressive to see see him do that yeah
0: yeah uh, and uh, the, when was it the um, the Medea one? The yeah, National I mean ballet? Medea
1: they they brought Medea. out in in the eighties, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean you could play a track from that, which I think you already have. I mean that's uh, one of your, It's one of the few records of his that I haven't got actually. You know, so you'll have to find that for me. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, that's that <laughs> we, we should have said. I
1: mean, when when we we're talking about the Seviana, you yeah, know, the coming together of those two, they had. Come together historically in a in a very big reunion of big artists in nineteen seventy and there's a wonderful photograph of Manolo with Paco de Lucia and all these artists and they're they're both playing for everybody, so you know they they did enjoy each other's company and and they're playing you know um obviously as time went on, Manolo brought out lots of records, but they were never quite as well known. As the records of of Paco, but of course Paco de Lucia didn't make as many records. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I believe we're ending actually on an old favorite because we have played it before. But tell me about the probably the most recognised kind of piece from him. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, Manolo obviously he had an eye on on record sales. You know, you, you, you can't play hardcore all the time because it's harder for Not people.
0: everyone's like you,
1: no And you've got to go with your audiences sometimes and play them some... some. So Mano brought out something more commercial than he had before, and he, he started to make more commercial records. Of course, he was to make something really hardcore, as we've talked about much later with Taramaki, but before that, he, he brought out uh, a record called Caballo Negro, and you know this is a a far more easy listening type of record it's that one is quite famous and i'm going to let you choose a track off of that that you like
0: okay deal (laughs) thank you very much for joining us for yet another fabulous episode on flamenco attitude it was great to learn more about manolson looker who we we have played before and we've talked here and there about him but we've never dedicated the full episode so that was a very good way of us to honor him and um, we didn't mention but he left us actually quite recently last august in 2022 uh, so in a way this episode was way overdue but um, just like we did with shikito previously we would have loved to uh, bring you the episode properly so here it is and i do hope um we did him justice um, in, a, in a great way. Until the next time, whether you listen to, play, or learn about the label, remember to always follow the